Hi there, and welcome to the first episode of Milk Trunk, a brand new parenting podcast brought to you by the team at Bobby. If you don't already know, Bobby is the only infant formula to meet both USDA organic and EU organic standards. Their European style recipe is rooted in radical simplicity, where real food provides real benefits for your baby. The best part is, it's founded and led by two moms here in the US. Bobby's mission is to create a parenting culture of confidence over comparison. The Bobby community across the U.S. has become an amazing support system for parents from all walks of life, including me, the host of this podcast. I'm Angelica Temple. I'm mom to two amazing kids, Anoki, who's five, and Indira, who's three. On this show, we're going to get into all things modern parenting. That's right. This isn't your parents' parenting show. Actually, your parents didn't have a parenting show, but parenting looks and feels different than it did even 10 years ago. And the conversations on this show are going to reflect that, along with some of today's most influential thinkers and creators in the parenting space and beyond. We're going to come together, ask questions, and hopefully leave feeling a little more connected. In this episode, we're going to unpack the stigma surrounding formula and feeding in general, the origins of the industry's current renaissance, and even get into the craziness that is the baby formula black market. Later in the show, we're going to talk to Bobby co-founders Laura Modi and Sarah Hardy, But first, who better to lay the groundwork of all things formula other than the formula mom? Yes, I'm talking about Mallory Whitmore, who is a formula expert and feeding technician whose popular Instagram handle is exactly that, at the formula mom. Let's get into it. Mallory, it's so amazing to meet you. I'm so excited to be connected. Let us start. We're going to get into so much about formula. You are the formula mom. But first, why don't you introduce yourself and share with our audience who you are, you know, how many kids you have, how old they are, how long have you been in this formula game? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today. So as you mentioned, my name is Mallory Whitmore. I am a formula feeding mom of two, a certified infant feeding technician and founder of The Formula Mom, which is an online educational platform that serves new parents who have formula feeding or bottle feeding questions. Okay. What does being a certified infant feeding technician mean? And why yes, were you not like question. living in my house five and a half years ago? I know, right? <laughs> Seriously, our, our oldest is six. And I'm like, I really needed this. And that's how I ended up doing this work is <laughs> I desperately needed something like this when she was born. But a certified infant feeding technician is typically a role that operates within the hospital setting, working in partnership with the pediatrician, the staff, the dietitian or nutritionist. Uh, as part of the care team to make sure that whatever nutrition is provided to the infant is prepared appropriately and safely, and also to do parent education at discharge around safe feeding practices when the baby goes home. So obviously, I do not work in a clinical setting, but generally speaking, you'll find feeding techs, or sometimes they're called milk techs, in hospitals most often. Oh, that's amazing. I feel like I only knew about a lactation consultant specifically, and so I didn't even... I think when I ended up introducing formula, it was maybe at three months or something like that. I just started supplementing, which I know we now call combo feeding, Mm -hmm. which I really appreciate. Yes. And it was, Mm -hmm. I think I just used whatever came free in my hospital bag. Mm -hmm. 
And it was like, yep. I had no idea mm-hmm. what I was doing and where to go. And I didn't even want to ask anyone because it was sort of this like yeah. hush, hush moment of mine, mm-hmm. um, which I'm sure Absolutely. touches on your origin story. So you started on this journey mm-hmm. of becoming the formula mom because you were a formula feeding mother. Yep. Um, how did mm-hmm. you go from looking for help to becoming the person people go to for help? Yes. Great question. So as I mentioned, our daughter was born six years ago and like most folks, I thought I would breastfeed. I am very much a rule follower and I like to do what's expected of me. And so I was like, this is what quote good moms do. So I'm going to breastfeed. And also like most, it just did not turn out as straightforward and simple and easy as I had expected. Even though I did all the classes and I met with all the people and I read all the books, it was just really difficult. And there were a lot of considerations, both with her health and my health and her weight gain and I had developed postpartum depression. It just became obvious that this was not going to work for us. And so I was like, okay, if breastfeeding is not our journey, then I'm going to be the best formula feeder in the world. And I was like, I'm going to learn all the things. I'm going to pick the best formula, whatever. And then I quickly realized that I couldn't find the information that I was looking for in order to equip myself to be the best formula feeder. And that was really frustrating. But at the time I chalked it up to being like, well, I I have a new baby. I have like three functioning brain cells. It's probably out there. and I just don't know where it is. When we had our second, almost three years later, we decided to formula feed him from the start. And I was like, certainly this information exists. And I just missed it last time. And I still couldn't find what I was looking for. And by that point, I had started to do a lot of my own research and had become sort of the de facto formula mom in my group Mm -hmm. of friends, where I would get texts from people and be like, hi, my name is Emily. You don't know me. But our mutual friend, Sarah, said that you know a lot about formula. And what do you think about this? I love that. And I was like, clearly, it is not just me who is looking for this information. Clearly, there are There's a market here of people who want research-based, high-quality, supportive information about formula feeding. And so with that knowledge, uh, as well as taking the time to get certified and all of that, I launched my platform. And with the success that it's had, it's been really validating that my hunch was right, that there really is a need for formula feeding information out there for new parents. Absolutely. I mean, I remember, again, just going back to when I started using formula you know, I remember texting a friend because I knew she had a lot of work travel. So I was like, she must be a formula mom, like da- on yeah. the on the DL. And so I remember texting oh. her and she was like, I need to send you all my European formula. You know, like you can't use yes. anything from here. And I was like, mm-hmm. what? Like I already what? used the thing that came in my hospital bag. <laughs> so like what are all yes. the differences between these different formulas? And mm-hmm. I mean, obviously that could be, you know, a multi-hour yeah. episode of something. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like what's the quick yeah. – the quick start guide to formula yeah. and all the different things, factors to consider. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right that the average parent has no idea because often the, your pediatrician or whoever you talk to at the hospital is like, oh, they're all the same, just whatever. When in reality, while the nutrient composition is the same because the FDA and the European Commission regulate mm-hmm. that, you know, you have to have the same amount of carbohydrates and the same amount of fat and micronutrients, macronutrients. The ingredients that formulas use to source those nutrients can vary substantially. So I always encourage folks, you don't need to really pay attention to the actual nutrition facts. Pay attention to the ingredients because that's going to tell you, are they using lactose for the carbohydrate source or are they using corn syrup? Are they using soy protein or milk protein? Is it partially hydrolyzed? Things like that. So I always encourage parents to pay attention to the ingredients. And that's also a good way to narrow down 
formula into categories Mm -hmm. of this is a routine formula. It has intact milk proteins. This is a gentle formula. It has proteins that are partially hydrolyzed, broken down. And then at least you start to create buckets that you know, like, okay, I want something in this bucket that helps to cut through a little bit of the noise because you can ignore the other Mm -hmm. buckets, if that makes sense. And would you recommend that people try different formulas? Because I feel like that's the other thing is if one doesn't work, you're like, oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. I always tell people that if their baby is tolerating well what they're using, stay on it. If you're not sure if it's working, then yes, it's absolutely worth a switch because there are different arrangements of ingredients that work better for some babies than others. Let's talk a little bit about breast milk versus formula. When do people typically switch from breast milk to formula? The CDC collects data on breastfeeding rates. And so that's a great resource if you're interested in the nitty gritty. But what we know, generally speaking, is that 85, 86% of newborns receive breast milk when they're in the hospital. And then by six months, that uh, statistic almost entirely reverses. 75% are having formula in some way, whether that's supplementing combo feeding or exclusively formula feeding. So between birth and six months, a huge majority of people introduce formula. There's obviously a big drop off at three months when a lot of parents end up going back right. to work and folks don't know no, that. Not at because all. Because like you had mentioned, everybody keeps it close yep. to the vest because of the stigma associated with it. So everybody assumes everybody else is still successfully breastfeeding and we're all like covertly using our formula in shame. It's so, <laughs> it's really, it's so, it's so sad. sad. Why do you feel like there's shame associated with formula? Do you think it has to do with mm-hmm. lack of information on formula feeding or or just this like overachiever mindset that so many moms have mm-hmm. where we all have to do it all? We have to be like a really tender, gentle, like matron mm-hmm. of earth and also a businesswoman entrepreneur <laughs> and also like do art on the side. Yes, <laughs> and have a clean yeah. house and only Amazing relationship, yes, the, the great friends, <laughs> a lot of hobbies. Yes, and also tons of hobbies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think a lot of it, for some reason, how you feed your baby has come to feel like a moral mm. issue for a lot of people. Like it feels tied into your inherent goodness as a mother or your inherent worthiness as a mother. And so if that's how society treats our feeding choices, of course, we're not going to be open about opting out of that or being forced out of mm-hmm. out of that. I think there is absolutely just that tie into the pressure that we feel like we should be able to do everything all the time. And then I think some of it too is just a lack of information about how difficult it can be, both, you know, physically, but also just logistically. Mm-hmm. If you're going back to work, if you're not sleeping, if your baby has a tongue tire or some other anatomical challenge. And because we, often are fed the narrative that this is supposed to be natural and beautiful and everything else. When our experience doesn't align with that, it feels like we are the exception. When in reality, difficulty more often is the rule. Uh, And that's just messaging that we don't hear often when we're expecting. Absolutely. It's funny. I always make the comparison between c-sections and formula a little bit Mm -hmm. where it's like i had to you know or versus i like made this very (laughs) conscious choice for everyone to be healthy (laughs) where would you direct parents who are making the decision to switch or start on formula Mm -hmm. like where do where do we begin yes i think there are a lot of different places for me 
the best place to start was really digging into what does the high quality research actually say about health outcomes, intelligence outcomes, obesity outcomes, ADHD outcomes among formula-fed infants versus breastfed infants. And my favorite resource for this is Emily Oster's book, Crib Sheet. She has a whole chapter that analyzes the research and pulls out what the outcome data looks like. And what you find is that it's really not as substantial as we have been led to believe. And so I always encourage folks to really dig in and do some research around it because I was surprised. And I consider myself a smart person. That makes a ton of sense. Um, Can you talk to us a little bit about combo feeding? Because I think that's also kind of this Mm -hmm. black box that people don't understand. It feels like it has to be all or nothing. Like you start formula from the Mm -hmm. start or breast milk. And and then when you switch, it's done. Yeah, absolutely. I know before either of my kids, no one talked to me about combo feeding. It really did feel like there were two choices. There was breastfeeding or formula feeding. And if you weren't doing one, you were lumped in with the other. What I know now after talking to thousands of parents is that for a lot of people, offering both breast milk and formula is a really great way to provide some of the immune benefits and the bonding and whatever folks want to draw from the nursing relationship, while also not having the stress of being the sole source of nutrition day and night for a year, which for a lot of people is just not workable. And so What's so great about combo feeding or supplementing is that it can look like whatever you want it to look like. You know, I talk to some parents and they send formula to daycare during the day and then they nurse at night. I talk to some parents who will do within the same bottle, 50% breast milk and 50% formula. Some will do just breast milk during the day and just formula at night. Someone, some will do just one formula bottle a day while they go work out in the morning. There's no right way or wrong way to do it. I mean, all of this is just so wild that it can be stigmatized, that it can have to require all of these, like jumping through so many hoops just to do the most Mm -hmm. basic thing that you need to do for your child. Can you speak just shifting out of formula? Although, you know, we Mm -hmm. love to hang out in formula. You know, your kids are past formula age. Um, Can you speak a little more to the judgment in parenting beyond formula? You know, as I'm sure you talk to yeah. so many parents and there are so many things that mm-hmm. that echo this sort of format of judgment. Yes. And I am going to bring it back to formula because it always comes back <laughs> to that in my world. But a lot of what I talk to parents about is that you want to believe that after you get through this, what feels like monumental choice of formula versus breastfeeding, that you get out of the sort of guilt and mom shame world but you really don't. Those of us who have older kids know that then it becomes purees versus baby led weaning. And then it becomes sleep training versus not. And then it becomes nanny versus daycare or staying at home versus working. I mean, it's over and over and over. And so even though it can be hard in infancy to navigate the tough conversations with your partner or your pediatrician or your OB or your care team or your in-laws about the decision to use formula, strengthening that muscle of identifying what is important to our family? How are we going to communicate our boundaries and our needs to the people around us, even people that we love and respect? Having that experience early on in your parenting mm-hmm. journey because it's related to feeding is a skill that serves you so well 
as you go throughout the parenting journey, because you're right. Unfortunately, it's not just this one topic. It moves, the goalpost moves yes. <laughs> for every Ages different stage. <laughs> yes, uh, with related to the mom shame. And so for me, it's been a process of really identifying taking a, a good look at my needs as a parent, my mm-hmm. husband's needs as a parent, our kids' needs, insulating ourselves a little bit from the noise and figuring out how do we communicate this? Because for as much as I wish, we lived in a world where everyone just like, let everyone mm-hmm. live the way that yeah, they want to live. Nice. If they're not hurting yeah. anybody, if they're not doing anything dangerous, we don't. There's a lot of eyes and a lot of opinions and a lot of guilt and shame and passive aggression surrounding the choices that particularly moms make. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting if you let yourself get into into it all is. of that. Well, and I think, you know, the perfect version would just be that we can all share all these things so that when we have to go down a different mm-hmm. path than we thought, we have so many resources that we can go to, yes. friends, websites, whatever yes. it is. Um, yes. Where can people go to find more of you? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm still over at the Formula Mom on Instagram a lot, sharing deep dives and reels and content and all of that. And then I'm also over on Bobby's feed and some of Bobby's educational channels as well. Uh, yeah, that's basically it at this point, which feels good. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Mallory, for all of your insights and sharing your story with us. And we'll see you next time. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Love chatting with you. One of the coolest things about Mallory is that she created an online presence to share information because she didn't have it when she needed it most. And now people can find her and educate themselves. Amazing. Okay, now that we know more about formula, let's hear from two more innovative moms, Laura Modi and Sarah Hardy, who, like Mallory, wanted to create a new kind of formula brand that wasn't available for them and their babies when they needed it. Not only did they succeed, but they're changing the industry and shaking the stigma too. Hello. I'm really excited about this conversation. Let us start by Laura and Sarah. Can you introduce yourselves? Tell me how many kids you have, and then we're going to get into the meat of the Bobby origin story. Hi, Ange. It's so good to be here. I'm Laura, Laura Modi, the CEO and co-founder of Bobby. I have three youngins, aged six and a half, four, and two and a half two of which were born, obviously, during building of the business, but I'm past it now. Yeah. Teenagers at this point. You are past babies. (laughs) Here, here. It's amazing. And great to be here. So Sarah, COO and co-founder, I have two adorable kids. Feels crazy to say this out loud, but they're six and eight now, which is bananas. Because they were two and four when I joined, when I joined Laura, but, um, yeah, totally different phase, years out of diapers. So feeling pretty good about the kid to parent ratio in my house for the long term. So first of all, I'm really excited to hear the Bobby origin story from both of you together, because having been in the Bobby universe, I think I know it, but I definitely don't. So I'm really excited to get to know all of this with our audience. So Bobby, 
launched in January 2021. It's the fastest growing formula brand since the 80s. And may I remind our listeners that the 80s was not 10 or 20 years ago. It was 40 years ago, (laughs) which I can't seem to fathom. It's European style recipe modeled after breast milk. First U.S. formula to be certified USDA organic. Like, where do we begin? Okay, first, I actually want to start with European style, because when I had babies, which is pre-Bobby, people were giving me sort of like back alley European formula, like, oh, I saved this from when I had a newborn, you need to try this. And I never really understood why. So can we actually ground ourselves in that? Yeah, let's start with that. I believe the largest black market of our generation has been the infant formula black market. We have U.S. mothers that have been turning to buy European infant formula quietly on these dodgy websites. Actually, they're not even dodgy. Many people, and I think you, Sarah, included, didn't even know they were illegal. (laughs) She's hiding. She's hiding for those that can't see. (laughs) No, I mean, it's true. I think, Laura, even early on, it's, it's, yeah, it was unbelievable to me that this even existed and was expected of me to even enter the conversation when thinking about formula for the first time completely caught me off guard. And, you know, when you start to dig into it, and we've come to have many conversations with parents now uh, along this journey, the reason they were turning to European black market formula was because it just had higher standards, better ingredients. You know, they update their nutritional standards on such a regular basis that in many ways it mimics the latest science. Where as a comparison, I mean, you just mentioned it earlier on, Ange, which is the last time the U.S. updated their nutritional standards meaningfully was in the 1980s. That's nuts. Insane. It is insane. So when we say European style, put very simply, it means that we built our recipe inspired by European nutritional standards. I believe you source locally. Everything, mm-hmm. most of the ingredients are from the U.S. So how mm-hmm. does that how does that work together? I can speak to the recipe and maybe Sarah, you can speak to the supply chain side of it. Definitely. So first off, it means designing the recipe in a way that, as you put it side by side with European formulas, it looks far more similar to a European formula than maybe typical U.S. ones. Um, example, raising the levels of DHA. Here in the U.S., there is no requirement to the quantity of DHA required in infant formula. So right now, Bobby is the only infant formula here in the U.S. that when you do the Venn diagram on the levels of of what goes into the recipe, that we would also pass the bar in Europe. What is DHA? Mm, It's good brain oils. So, yeah, right? It's it's added to support cognitive development. And there has been a lot more science that Europe has essentially come forward and said it is a requirement for brain development. Um, And we are very proudly uh, adding the highest quantity of DHA in our formula in comparison to every other formula on the U.S. market. You know, to take that a step further as well, even just thinking about the levels is not where we stopped. It's where we started the conversation, what it meant to what is European style, what is inspired, you know, by the EU. So when we looked at our supply chain, it was really important to us that we got to know our suppliers. We hand picked them all. And we weren't just looking for quality. I mean, that was a baseline. We knew we needed the highest quality in the market, but we wanted to truly get to know them. Who are the faces behind each of our suppliers? What are their stories? Understanding a lot of these family-owned businesses that have been here in the U.S. for decades. 
And, you know, for us, we were excited about that. That's a story that's not traditionally told, especially in this space. And it's a huge departure from us as adults, you know, as consumers for products for ourselves. It's an expectation. But when it came to our babies, it was a huge opportunity to really think critically around who do we want around the table with us as we're creating Bobby. I love that. Let's go to the origin story. So I know that you worked together at some point before starting Bobby, not all the way until you started Bobby, I think. So just take me through, how did the idea come about? How did you guys connect and decide to do this thing together? What were those conversations, text messages, late night breastfeeding, failing sessions? Like, what did it all sound like? God, this definitely brings it back. So I had started, I had started Bobby Solo and in many ways based off a personal experience of yeah, realizing I wasn't able to exclusively breastfeed my child. And what's so interesting is when I had my daughter, I was still working at Airbnb where Sarah and I worked hand in hand for years. Um, but neither Sarah or I ever talked about our feeding experience with each other. Because back then, which by the way, when we say back then, it sounds like it was centuries ago. Back then, people just didn't talk about it. Um, talking about how feeding was going or specifically maybe your failed breastfeeding journey was not part of the conversation at all. Um, so it was 2018 and this was uh, two years after I had had my daughter and I had made the decision to make a better alternative to put on the market in replace of all the other options that existed out there. Um, I remember turning to my husband and I was like, I am not having, honey, I'm not having another child until there's a better infant formula on the market. And then he was like, great, you do that. So I dedicated myself full time to this. And then 24 hours later, I was like, oh, by the way, I'm pregnant now with our second child. So um, <laughs> it created... It created a bit of a forced timeline to try and figure this out. That's incredible. Um, and as we all know, you know, especially in the startup world, timelines don't exactly go the way that you had hoped. Uh, but it was along that journey and several months in that I was telling close friends and colleagues of mine what I was up to. And Miss Hardy was one of the first and obviously nearest and dearest people that I had worked with in the past. And I had all the motivation in the world to pull her into this journey. And I, I believe I successfully accomplished that. <laughs> but now that we're here chatting, you I think? was so, so excited to hear Sarah's reaction to that yes. conversation. I know. I When I think about those early conversations that we had, there was this one cafe that we had actually met up at a few times. And I will never forget, Laura, the first time you were sharing with me, yes, yeah, some is the product, you know, some is the mission, but you're halfway through the story. And it's like, I just have to stop you. I get it. I have been there. And that's when we had that moment where it's like, we were living parallel lives you know, working at Airbnb together, having our first babies. And there's this big unlock moment, which was for me personally, why did we never talk about that? We shared everything. We were pulling these long days together. Um, 
spent a lot of time on projects, but for some reason, and all the joys of parenthood didn't actually bring the struggle to the table. But I do, I mean, I can remember it like yesterday, just sitting at that table and just being like, I, I am that mom. I'm not the crazy researcher. I asked two of my closest friends who had just had babies, what formula should I buy? And they were like, oh, we're importing from Europe. You don't know about this? So I, I understood that very clearly, kind of the product offering. But it was this experience for me of transitioning back to work. And it was started at that table of really feeling like, oh, my gosh, I do have a lot in common with how hard that is to make that pivot as a first time mom, especially going back into the workplace after having my firstborn. I can totally picture it. So I'm so glad to hear the conversation from both sides. And I think it goes right into the whole ethos of stigma shaking, which is so important for the company. So talk to me a little bit more about why you think there's a stigma and shame associated with formula feeding your baby and even talking about feeding and how it's going and exploring different options. You know, it's funny. I've over the years, you know, we used to use the word. There was a lot of judgment. You know, you hear that all the time. A lot of judgment mm -hmm. on how you feed. Mm -hmm. And I've actually come a little bit full circle on this over the years of being in the industry where I actually don't believe there's as much external judgment as we think happening. I think it's all internal. And it's because we have been conditioned to believe that there is one way to feed and it's the best way to feed. So we come in to making certain decisions or seeing signs out in society or hearing people ask us certain things. And we just immediately get this internal judgment. We're judging ourselves and it leaves you guilty and embarrassed. And I remember using the word judgment a lot. You know, your, your pediatrician says to you in like your first month's doctor visit, and they're going through, you know, that checklist they go through. And it's like so transactional. Da, 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 da. In 15 minutes, they try and cover it. One of the questions is, how is breastfeeding going? And I'm sitting there going, oh, shit, it's not going. But how am I meant to answer a very direct question when you say, how is breastfeeding going? My natural inclination is to go, that's great. It's great. Let's get to the next question. Mm -hmm. It's not because I'm not doing it. So I think to summarize, I do think that a lot of the stigma just comes from how we've been conditioned in society to believe there is one way to do it. And that's it. Mm -hmm. and that was my own personal experience as well. I'd also add, you know, when I think about reminding back to having my daughter be, so she's eight now, that was a time of women can have it all. Like mm -hmm. that narrative was so strong, you know, almost a decade ago and persisted for a while. Seeing the narrative today is frankly a breath of fresh air. We've been wanting to have this conversation and nobody was starting the conversation, but I, I look at it now and it's like, there are trade-offs that we're all making every single day. Whether you're, you know, you have a, a job or you don't have a job, whatever your home dynamics are, what kind of support that you have. And it's, it's a relief. I think for a lot of us, especially for me, where I didn't raise my kids and my babies in that type of environment, which was I had to hold it all together. And part of holding it all together was figuring out how do I breastfeed 35 hours a week and work a 14 hour day and get the quality time with my kids in and not feel all that mom guilt. Um, and it, it's truly like the first time I think there's a real honest conversation of what it means to feed a baby today. I totally agree. I think that, you know, five and a half, almost six years ago when I had my first, it was that same. I'm like 
I'm showing all these bags of milk. I'm going on business trips and I'm like doing this. I have it all and I'm so proud of it. And I'm secretly giving them formula because I didn't pump enough, you know, or whatever. And it wasn't even I don't even think I was conscious about feeling judged. It was more that I wanted to put forth this. I'm doing it all. I'm doing everything. I'm going to all these meet all these day trips to L.A. with my freezer bag, you know, and and doing all this stuff. And and it's funny because I'm like, gosh, that would have really saved me some stress. If I let. <laughs> and, you know, I did with both my kids. I combo fed, you know, and I did let it in. Mm-hmm. And it was this. I'll never forget that I started producing more milk when I introduced formula because I wasn't stressed. Yes. Yeah, seriously. That I was is like, absolutely what's happening? happening? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm in the pump room or whatever. And I'm like, so much is coming out. This is great. <laughs> so true. It's so true. I think we hear that from many people, actually, which is you can do both and not feel mm-hmm. bad about it. And what yeah. is, I mean, a latest stat that we found is 70% will do both, but it doesn't feel like that. Doesn't feel like that. No. It feels like you only do one or the other. What do you say to people when you're challenged on the stigma? You know, I know that data has been really important to Bobby's message and the fact that, you know, data points can help us feel not alone, right? And help us feel not judged. So talk to me a little bit more about that. I think there's something about data points that also don't make you feel so isolated. And um, when you know what you're doing is not in isolation, when you're not the only one, when you're like, your neighbor, or by the way, your own pediatrician fed this way, or, you know, half of the generation who are having babies right now, or in fact, 83% will turn to formula. What we've noticed is making them feel not alone through data has had people feel much better about it. I totally agree. You were the first to start your formula business as a subscription service. Why was this important to you? It makes a ton of sense to me. It makes a ton of sense to you, Ange. And to us, because we've been through the journey, you know, we get it. When you look at what it takes to feed a baby and that moment you transition to formula, I mean, maybe second to diapers, nothing is as predictable and repeatable as that you will have to feed that child. The idea of going to a subscription model and how we would show up on a regular basis was a big unlock for us also. So beyond knowing that the product needs to arrive, constantly, you know, for those first 12 months, was also the opening of an ongoing dialogue. And so much of what was missing from the space was that sense of community, dialogue, education, support that didn't exist, you know, walking into a a retail uh, location and staring at those shelves. So the model itself was a no-brainer. And now for many in our community, it's clearly a no-brainer. They really enjoy having it delivered directly to the doorstep. They're not running out to the supermarket or the pharmacy, whatever it is, and they can count on us. But for us, it opened up this whole new world as well. So that sort of brings us to the formula shortage a bit uh, because, you know, you guys have been so incredible supporting your subscribers. Um, Bobby launched in January 21, like we already mentioned, and the formula shortage that shut down almost 50% of all U.S. formulas began in 22. Did you foresee this problem happening as you had gotten into the space? I say yes and no. I think we, if someone had to map out like the worst case scenario for the way the industry was set up, I think we could have done it. Did we think it would be our second year on the market that we would wake up and the president of the United States would be talking about our industry just full stop? 
With regard to uh, the issue of formula, this is a process. We're working on it very, very hard. There's nothing more urgent we're working on than that right now. The fact that he was using the word infant formula was just mind boggling. And it's funny now when I say that we could have painted this picture, if you rewind back 2018, the very first pitch deck was highlighting the problems in the industry to begin with. I mean, that was essentially the pitch for why Bobby needed to exist. And that pitch was highlighting that this was a concentrated industry. 90% of the market was owned by two players. And when two players own the majority of the market, here's a slew of things that could go wrong. On top of the fact that consumers didn't want those products, there's also huge consequences when one company owns the majority of the market. Unfortunately, I think we've learned this in other parts of the country as well or in other industries, no one really listens <laughs> until you're faced with the problem head on. Yes, full and disaster mode. Full disaster mode, yes. We got to wait for a huge crisis to hit before of we course. go, huh. And we saw unprecedented growth on our website. And for the next two weeks following that, our customer count doubled. Um, and many of those are now well aware that we had to make a really, really tough call. And that tough call was brought to us by our team. And by the way, it was brought to us by our growth team who are focused mm -hmm. on growing the business. And they said, here's the issue, Laura and Sarah. We are growing faster than our ability to produce supply right now. And if we keep going down this path, here's what's going to happen. And it didn't look good. It meant that we would run out of product. So we had to make a really tough call. And it was immediately that we decided to stop growing the business and prioritize serving our current subscribers. And we had to make a call really early on with knowing very little, which is what we do all the time, right? In the startup, you have to get comfortable with that. This was, this was that on steroids for us is really making a call when we said we made a commitment to customers and we have to start there. And the rest of this the, our decisions would fall into place if we can stick to that mantra, which we did. So it made it easier for us to navigate maybe, um, but certainly very challenging at that time. Hearing you speak about your customers feels actually like it translates directly to your company ethos. Your company is 90% female, 80% parents. How has that impacted how you run your company? And, and part of the reason I'm going here from talking about your commitment to your customers is, Sarah, in particular, hearing you talk about your commitment to customers feels like your commitment to your team as well. Um, and having been, you know, dipped into the Bobby universe myself, I can tell you that it is an insanely amazing supportive culture. And I'm just like a full Kool-Aid drinker, powder drinker, milk drink, whatever it is you're doing, I'm drinking it. So talk to me about how you come into that and, and how it all comes to life. It was never a question of whether or not we were gonna figure out and grapple with how do we build a company for parents? We were parents. So it truly has been from the beginning. And it started with us. And part of that is, yeah, designing policies, but also leading by example. You know, what do we need to be successful? What does it look like? Um, we've thought a lot around just the blending of your professional and personal lives. It is very unique to be on a team that is vast majority women, almost entirely parents. Huge portion of our team had a baby during the pandemic. And we've leaned into it to ask ourselves, okay, how is this going to be a strength for Bobby? And how do we, again, embrace that as part of the way that we want to build our organization? And I know you're also a big advocate for paid family leave. 
helping create the first paid family leave program for Airbnb. Um, when starting Bobby, how did you structure that into your business plan? Obviously, you know, just hearing you talk about it, it's like, no, duh. We have been very, very bold in this area. And if you look at Bobby, not only in our industry and in our category, but also just the size that we're at right now and have been willing to take risks and really lead by example to show that there's a long list of excuses, but when you start to break it down and when you approach it with intentionality around where you're trying to go, there is a path to get there, but you have to want it. I mean, I love the idea that you're pushing change in other businesses and pushing change across the industry. Laura, you're based in Washington, D.C., where you've been pushing for policy change surrounding the infant formula industry. And you've done so by introducing Bobby for Change, which is Bobby's social impact arm, changing the way we think about, talk about, and actually feed our babies through legislation, policy, and activism. No big deal, but what's it like to go to Congress on behalf of modern parenting? Mm. I, you know, I never thought I made a I made a very quick shift to decide to move to DC, and then all of a sudden I'm thrown into Congress, and I was like, I was meant to be here. <laughs> it's a sign. So our incredible team pulled together a separate arm of the business, which we call Bobby for Change, and its entire purpose is in many ways to strengthen the industry. And by the way, it's also to push the mark on the industry, even if it means it's not the best for business. I love that. We are coming to the end of our very first Milk Drunk episode. We would love to hear from you both on why you are jumping into the podcast space and why you have asked someone like me to be part of, just kidding, that part you don't have to answer. <laughs> but why a podcast? Well, we kept talking about all the different ways that we wanted to story tell. And, you know, we talked a little bit earlier just about how do you remove stigma? And part of it's you got to evolve the conversation, right? But it's very hard to have conversations in just straight up text. I mean, you know, you come from this world. You can only story tell so much on text. And I think evolving our existing content platform, Milk Trunk Today, to just hear the voices, hear someone truly talk about their struggles or their wins and celebrations. Um, and then like, we got to give Kim a bit of a plug here. I think from day one, when our head of marketing joined, she was whispering podcast, 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 <laughs> a media platform to get into. So, you know, there's sometimes you just got some internal pressure. You got to get That's her done, right. but um, we're so excited and we're so excited to be part of kicking it off. Thank you for being on our first episode of Milk Drunk. This has been amazing. All right, y'all, we just learned a lot about formula. Thank you so much for tuning in. And thank you to Laura Modi and Sarah Hardy, as well as Mallory Whitmore, aka The Formula Mom, for joining us on our very first episode of Milk Drunk. We have a ton of episodes planned for you where we'll unpack and explore issues facing every parent out there and with some familiar faces and voices you know and love. Be sure to follow Bobby on Instagram for all Milk Drunk updates and sign up for the Milk Drunk newsletter at milk-drunk.com. Milk Drunk is powered by Bobby, hosted by me, Angelica Temple, produced by Beth Rowe, and the whole team at Full Picture Productions. <laughs>